This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's a hump day recording of the Scoop Podcast. Hello, everyone. It is Scoop Podcast episode number 102. We'll get to the Andrew Wiggins mystery. Why hasn't he signed the five-year $148 million offer that is sitting there on the table? The deadline is Monday night. If he doesn't sign, he's a restricted free agent next summer. Presumably, he would then take the qualifying offer of just under $10 million They aim to be an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 2019. But why would you turn down that much money? Is it possible he does turn down that much money? Or is this just part of the negotiation, having a family attorney look over all the paperwork, that indeed Wiggins will sign the deal come Monday or sometime before Monday night? So we'll dive into that a bit here in just a second. We'll get to some other Wolves notes, Gophers basketball. Who are they playing in the secret scrimmage? Yes, the Gophers men's basketball team has another secret scrimmage. They had one a couple years ago against Iowa State, got their butt kicked against Iowa State. They have one again this year. It'll be a nice tune-up before they play Providence on the 13th of November. So we have all sorts of notes, plus Gophers men's basketball hosting a recruit this weekend. We have Gophers football notes. So we'll get to a bunch, but we will start with former Gophers football player Jim Carter. He is always entertaining. You may not always agree with him. Heck, I don't always agree with him. But he's not shy to share his opinion. He has something that is annoying him again right now. So we'll get to Jim in just a second. But first, some love for one of the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast. It is Vine Park Brewing. Vinepark.com online. Vine underscore park underscore brew on Twitter. In St. Paul on West 7th Street between 35E and downtown St. Paul. Closer to 35E. They've been around for 22 years. Trust me, you don't make it 22 years without having good-tasting beer. You can brew your own beer there with their help. You can brew your own wine. They have root beer, or you can swing in, grab a growler. They have all sorts of different flavors. Whatever flavor you like of beer, they have it. If you're watching football this weekend, we got a night game for Gophers football, Packers-Vikings. If you're watching football all weekend, you need your beer fix. Swing into Vine Park Brewing. Also, If you're interested to find out how they make their beer, $7 gets you a tour of Vine Park Brewing. You can see how they make their beer, make their wines. Plus, that $7 gets you a flight or a pint, plus Higgy's Pizza. Pretty good deal. Again, for more information, vinepark.com. Before we bring Jim Carter into the conversation, I will read a letter he got from U of M Board of Regents Chair David McMillan, dated October 4th. October 4th. Dear Mr. Carter, thank you for your letter. We can have Jim lay out the letter that he sent to David when Jim comes on. Board leadership considered and addressed your general concern in its May 2017 charge to the Special Oversight Committee. I wonder if that is change. I don't know if that's a typo or not. Anyway, I'll keep reading. While the board's receipt of the joint report and recommendations on Title IX and athletic discipline practices may feel like an end point, I do not view it as such. The report contained a number of recommendations that warrant careful consideration. The board has charged President Dr. Eric Kaler to review and evaluate these recommendations and develop a plan to implement changes where appropriate. He will report back on progress and implementation plans no later than February 2018. I anticipate that the board will be actively engaged in shaping future efforts on these important topics. Again, thank you for the letter. Sincerely, David J. McMillan, Chair, Board of Regents, U of M. Let's now bring Jim into the conversation. He can explain the reasoning for reaching out to the board to begin with. Jim, thank you as always for your time. Always fun to chat with you, whether we all agree with you or not. I love your opinions. I love your takes. I love listening to you. So anyway, I just laid out in the open, Jim, the letter you got dated October 4th from David McMillan, the chair of the Board of Regents. Do you want to lay out the reasoning for you reaching out to the board to begin with and the response that he sent you? Well, I've continued to be concerned at the least and very troubled at the worst about the so-called review that was done of the sexual assault matter of a year ago with the 10 black football players at the U. As you well know, Darren, as it turned out, only five of them had anything to do with the the situation. Mm -hmm. The other five were reinstated, and when the review was done, we paid, we, the taxpayers, the public, 
and the university paid $200,000 and didn't get all the answers and didn't hold anyone accountable, i.e. the president and the athletic director for the mistakes they made. Therefore, I've been continuing to talk to member, members of the board and now the new leadership, McMillan, who along with uh, Dean Johnson, the former chair, I think have uh, really dragged their feet on finding out what really happened with that suspension and who really did it. And too much went wrong, Darren. People got fired, an entire coaching staff that had just won nine games and did an outstanding job in the bowl game, heroic job, as a matter of fact. And all these people lost their jobs because they were unfairly accused. And it's just not right. I've been troubled by it, so I continue to try to get down to the answers and have them made public. Do you think there's a chance you actually get the answers you're looking for? Do you think that will ever happen? Well, and, and, and I respect uh, your interview process, and, and you and I are friends, but let me correct you. There aren't, they're not the answers I'm looking for. They're the answers we deserve uh, for a, a land-grant institution that we all support, the University of Minnesota, to have things hidden and the truth not be told, and, and the president and the athletic director not be held accountable for the things that they did that were wrong, that weren't fair, that very well may have been uh, less than forthright and certainly not transparent. Do I think we'll ever get those answers? I would sure uh, like to think we will, but uh, I honestly don't know, Darren, if we will or not. When you say, Jim, hidden, what exactly do you believe has been hidden? The fact that Tracy Clays, when he was the head coach, did not suspend those 10 players. The, the president and the athletic director suspended the players, but let the player, the rest of the players think that it was Clays. Clays did not suspend those kids. They did. They being Kaler and Coyle. And that never came out. Clays said it publicly, but he was thrown under the bus. This review said that he had did not offer good leadership, which is BS. And uh, it's just, it's not, that's what's hidden. The fact that plays did not make mistakes other than the silly tweet he sent. But even that, he was supporting his players. They wanted to get due process for the rest of the team to see that it was done right. The team met with Coyle and Taylor. They could not get straight answers. The players walked away from them, asked two of the regents, Regent Shu and Regent Rosha to come in because they knew these two guys were straight shooters and they could get some answers. And Taylor and Coyle left without ever giving the players a straight answer. So are you pushing for the dismissal of Dr. Kaler, of Mark Coyle? I mean, in your perfect world, Jim, are those two individuals removed? Are they summarily dismissed? Not even in a perfect world. Taylor should go. He's made so many costly mistakes for this university. The mistakes he's made in the athletic department alone, Darren, have cost us untold millions of dollars, starting with when he dismissed Maturi and yet kept paying him nearly a half a million dollars a year. Then he hired Teague. You know what that happened. Not, Not just money, but the embarrassment for the university, and it continues to go on. We pay $200,000 for this whitewash, what they call a review of the situation last year. They pay another, who knows how much, twenty dollars or $30,000 because Dean Johnson and Eric Kaler thought there was a leak on the board of directors with the situation with Randy Handel. Nothing came of that. We just spent a bunch of money again. It's just, just that alone, Kaler should be fired. We need a new president to lead this university. Uh, even beyond the athletic department, I don't know if you saw the Minnesota Daily yesterday, but the dean of our medical school, who's only been here a couple of years, makes 750 grand. He's applied at Iowa. He's applied at Iowa to go there. Something's wrong with the leadership at this university. I'm with you on the Randy Handel leak. I mean, that one, and obviously I'm, I'm in the belly of the beast because it's us. It's Hubbard Broadcasting. It's Channel 5. But... To actually spend that much money to investigate the leak, 
when there's all these issues that you need to worry about more so than the leak, that one is, I'm telling you, Jim, that one is a head-scratcher. Amen. Amen, brother. All right, so I'm reading the letter that you then sent back to McMillan, dated just earlier this week, October 10th. You want to lay out, I mean, I can go through some of the bullet points here, but do you want to lay out the two-page letter that you sent back to Dave? Well, basically, Dave told me that uh, he thinks my concerns were answered, and I started by saying, no, my concerns have not been answered. The review did not highlight or low light, depending on your view, the things that went wrong. And uh, so, so that doesn't solve my problems. He went further on to say that he had charged President Kaler to look into all the issues and get things straightened out and do it right next time. I don't buy that either because, you know, if, if you've got Kaler and the legal counsel, uh, Doug Peterson, uh, checking and doing your own review and investigating yourself it just doesn't happen that way that that whole thing was a joke it was supposed to be an outside review investigation but it was headed up by the legal counsel of the university we're investigating ourselves that doesn't work then he went further to say that uh you know continue the board of directors will continue to be or excuse me the board of regents will continue to be very close and in watching things i don't buy that i, I don't the regents that tried to do something, Shu and Rosha, tried to help out. As a matter of fact, they did stop the boycott last year. They should be thanked for that rather than vilified. But the board of the other members of the board of regents, the leadership of the board of regents, the administration, all are critical of those regents getting involved. If the president's not going to do his job, the regents damn well better get involved. They either find a new president or they'll have to continue to do the work for him. I'm reading further in this letter, Jim. You do cite P.J. Fleck, his staff, costing, in your words, us $25 million plus. I've told you this, Jim. I think regardless of what took place last December, Mark Coyle always wanted his own guy. Whether you agree with that or not, that's a different discussion. He wanted his own guy. I actually think he got a pretty good coach. I think if we give P.J. Fleck some time, he can win here. So why cite that money? Isn't that just the cost of big-time athletics? It didn't need to happen. We won nine games last year and won that bowl under the most difficult conditions. So either we had some great coaching last year or we had some damn good players. Now, those players, for the most part, are still here. The coaching staff got fired. So, Clay's, uh, pardon me, Taylor and Coyle are saying of the two options that we won nine games and that bowl game, they're, they're saying – we didn't have a good enough coach. We fired him. So that means those players, those damn good players, are still here. We got beat by Purdue. We got beat by Maryland. And I submit that we had better players than both those teams. Oh, I don't know about that, Jim. I don't know. I mean, well, you we think about. That. Okay. I mean, you think about Demarius Travis, Jalen Myrick, Jonah Persig, Drew Wolitarski, even the quarterback, as vilified as he was, but Mitch Leidner. You go up and down the list of guys that they are missing from last year's team, then all the injuries this year, you look at all the injuries heading into the Purdue game, I think Purdue right now has better players. I think this was always, if it was Tracy Clays, you name the coach. To me, Jim, this was always a rebuild. This was a rebuild year. I disagree. I couldn't disagree all more. Right, well, that's fine. You've got, you've got and, and I respect the fact that we can agree to disagree, but I don't agree at all. The, the substance of that team that we won the bowl game last year is still here, other than a couple kids that chased off, got chased off and won't be playing now because they didn't kiss the ring. But I don't disagree. The quarterback's gone. But according to everything I read in the paper and everybody, I hear all these announcers saying how uh, this, this quarterback was heading for a different career because Clays didn't sign him up. Now Fleck went and got him and signed him up. He's his quarterback. Well, I, it sounds to me like he's a pretty good quarterback. I, I don't go to the games. I watch him on TV. I think he. I think he's all right. We've got our defense. You know, we've got Jonathan Celestine, Stephen Richardson, uh, Blake Cashman, who's not getting to play enough. Great player. Uh, Cody Pope, great player, not playing. Uh, Barber's doing a great job. I mean, you know, we could discuss this all day long. But you and I are friends. We could do that over coffee some other time. We can, but I still think he just wanted his own guy. 
You know, I mean, I'll just I'll always circle back to that one, Jim. That Mark Coyle, deep down, we can disagree all we want. You know, whether he hired the right guy, should have fired Tracy Clays. But I still feel like if this doesn't even happen, I still think it would have been unfortunate, but I still think Tracy loses his job. Let me tell you my theory on that. I, I, I agree with that totally. But it's my opinion that Fleck was hired and committed to long before the boycott, long before the bowl game. And it's my feeling that Taylor would have let that boycott go on and and we would have canceled the bowl game so he could have easily fired Clays and they would have gone on to Fleck. I think that was going to happen no matter what. I agree with you. But since Shu and Rocha, the regents, went in, talked to players, counseled the players, did a great job talking with the players, got the players to put down the boycott and go play in that bowl game, they went and played great. They were well coached. Tracy still got fired, but that's not the way Clay, uh, Taylor, and Coyle would have preferred it. They would have just as soon blamed him for not going the bowl game. Then they would have brought in Fleck without any dust up. Have you talked to Tracy? Has he considered doing some interviews? I know he wrote that op-ed for the for the Pioneer Press. I think he gave it to the Star Tribune as well. But he has declined all interview requests. That's correct. Do you think at any point he will actually talk about the situation? I doubt very much if he will. Tracy was so busted up and down. I'm telling you, Darren, when I talked to him, and I know you and I had talked, you wanted to talk to him, he was not in a position or a place emotionally where he could talk with anybody. The times I talked to Tracy, the conversations ended up, he was in tears. I mean, the guy was crushed, and I don't blame him. He got thrown under the bus. They lied about what he did, and then they fired him. I don't blame the guy for being crestfallen and crushed. I doubt very much if he's going to do any interviews. He'll land on his feet. He'll be a defensive coordinator somewhere, but uh, I doubt if he'll speak publicly about it anymore. How's he doing today? Much better. He was down, I, I think I told you last time we talked, he went down to Georgia and he went down to Arkansas, went out to Rutgers with Killer and uh, visited a number of training camps this fall. Uh, and he's much, much better now. Uh, but uh, It's taken a long time. It's been a rough ride for the guy. Have you heard that the previous staff, some members of the previous staff, are upset with P.J. Fleck because he keeps talking about changing the culture when they really feel like they actually changed the culture, that P.J. Fleck is is almost indirectly taking a shot at the at the previous regime? They all feel, not even indirectly, they feel like it's a direct poke in the chops to those guys. And Coyle's been talking about it. Fleck's been talking about it. The culture was changed years ago when Brewster left this program in ruins and Kill came in and then Clays. They turned the whole thing around, got great kids, that whole great defense that's playing great, the Celestines and the Richardsons, you know who recruited all those kids. Mm-hmm. This program, the culture was turned around a long time ago. Do you know of any of the previous coaches reaching out to PJ to express their frustration? Well, there'd be no reason that they would reach out to him. They're not friends with him. The, the coaches I've talked to that worked with him in other places are not friends with him. Uh, they don't get along. I can see no reason why they would reach out to him. Can I express one thing that I was disappointed in seeing, Jim, that you did not attend the 1967 reunion? Actually, I attended it Friday night to see all my teammates because I love those guys. It was a great experience. But I felt I'd be a hypocrite if I went back and went on the field with Kaler and Coyle uh, with all that they've done to friends of mine. I just I don't agree with it. I don't like the way they're doing things. And I felt since I didn't buy a ticket, I didn't want. Uh, I just would. I wouldn't feel right about it. My teammates understood. Have you tried to reach out to Kaler and Coyle directly to get some FaceTime with them? Oh, I talked to him. I talked to Mark Coyle Friday night at the reunion. The university did a nice job for that 50th reunion. Uh, and by the way, you of all people, you should know I didn't come on Saturday. It was Yom Kippur. Yeah, you're right. I should have known that. You're right. So yes, I should have known that. But still. You could have gone to services early morning, or you could have gone to services later. I mean, there are there are some exceptions there. I get it. It's the holiest day on the Jewish calendar. I get all that. But you still, if you really wanted to be there, you could have found a way to be there, even for the second half. 
Yeah, well, Stein wasn't there. Yeah, okay, well, okay. I get that. Trust uh, me, I, I completely yeah. get that. I it's the holiest day of, of the Jewish year. I get that. But I'm just saying, if you wanted to find a way, if, if everything was kumbaya, you might have been there. That's correct. But I went Friday night, like I said, I saw all my teammates. I had a good time, but I didn't feel right about going on Saturday, so I didn't. All right, Jim, always good to catch up. We'll be in touch soon. I tell you this all the time. I love listening to you because you're not scared to share your opinion. May not always agree with you, but I enjoy having you on because it's a fun conversation. Well, I appreciate it, Darren. You're kind to say that, and I enjoy the chats, too. Thanks a lot. I'll be in touch, Jim. Thank you. Bye-bye. Former Gopher, former Green Bay Packer, Jim Carter. Here's what you might have missed on a recent Gopher Hole podcast. Pete Nigerian. Yeah, it's great Everybody. to be with you, man. <laughs> I can't tell you how frustrated I get when I sit there and we lose to Wisconsin and I see four or five starters from Minnesota on that team. That's where we've got to keep these players. If we can keep them from going to Nebraska, going to Wisconsin, going to Iowa, going to Michigan, there's a kid from Creighton Hall playing at Ohio State. If we can keep these guys in state and not let all these guys go down to Notre Dame as well, we've got a shot. And they are here. And maybe they're not all five-star guys, but I think you can develop the two- and three-star guys into the four- and five-star type players. You can find the Gopher Hole podcast on iTunes or Podcast One. Also, find it on the 1500ESPN.com podcast page. All right, let's get to some Gophers football notes the rest of the way. Well, at least for the next handful of minutes will be all news and notes We may mix in one other guest at the end, depending on scheduling. The Gophers hosting ranked Michigan State 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Jared Weiler, starting center, will be back. There was some question about whether, because he has position flexibility, if he would shift to one of the guard spots. No. I'm told Jared Weiler will start at center. Connor Olson back to guard. Vincent Calhoun. Now a backup. So at least the Gophers, at least in my mind, get back their best offensive lineman. If you want to debate that, that's fine. One of their top offensive linemen, at least. There will be a number of 2018 and 2019 recruits at Saturday's game. Certainly all the 2018 commitments, the local guys, the Benny Saps of the world, the Nathan Bowes of the world, Josh Ani, Brevin Spanford, those guys will be in attendance. There is some talk, or at least some research, about whether Antoine Winfield Jr., I would argue, their best defensive back, really good player. There's some talk and some research going on about seeing if they can get a medical red shirt for him. I was texting with somebody close to Antoine Winfield Jr. I've been given the indication they are researching that. This hamstring injury goes back to training camp. There's a threshold based on games. It might even be snaps now. I don't know if they've rewritten those rules on how you get a medical redshirt, you know, what the threshold is, if you need to play X amount of games to not qualify or X amount of snaps. But anyway, they can claim that the injury goes back to training camp. So they will look into that possibility. In fact, they are looking into that possibility. The Gophers down a number of key players for Saturday's game. Winfield Jr., as I just mentioned. Duke McGee is more unlikely than likely. You have to follow rules. Good player, redshirt senior safety. They'd love to have Duke McGee on the field. I guess it's possible if he has a really good week, does everything, asked of him, doesn't violate any more rules. I know P.J. Fleck left open the possibility of him returning this week, but I'm told it's more unlikely than likely, although I guess there's always a chance. It's not 100% a foregone conclusion as I tape this on Wednesday morning that we won't see Duke McGee this weekend. But again, led to believe it is more unlikely than likely. You think about cornerback Thomas, you think about wide receiver Philip Howard from Robbinsdale Cooper. They are just down so many guys. Demetrius Douglas is still out. He'll be out for the season. They are just thin. I told Jim Carter this. We can respectfully disagree. I always thought, regardless of who the coach was this year, this was a rebuild. I will remind you that P.J. Fleck has told a number of high-level boosters. Maybe he's told others, but I know he's told a few high-level boosters, people that donate a lot of money, that he needs at least a couple years. We are talking 2019-2020 for when they can really make a serious run, maybe win the Big Ten West, play for a Big Ten championship. That isn't happening this year. It's unlikely to happen next year. Let's give the new coach some time. He turned around to Western Michigan. I don't think a lot of people grasp how hard that is, how hard it is to win in Kalamazoo, Michigan in the MAC. P.J. Fleck did that. Let's give him more than five games. Let's give him more than a year or two. He needs time 
to get his own players in here. We'll get to the Wolves in a second, but first, love for running tap. Online, running-tap.com. Running Tap is a local startup that delivers beer directly from tap rooms right to you. People don't think about it, but beer in the liquor stores has been sitting around, sometimes upwards of six months, for an IPA that really impacts how it's supposed to taste. Also, there's over 150 breweries in Minnesota. Many of those guys are making small batches of amazing stuff, but 90% of those beers don't make it into the liquor stores or bars. But now they can make it into your living room. Running Tap will deliver all those good beers, those crafted beers. You think about all the good local beers. They will pick those beers up from the breweries and deliver those beers to you. They also deliver on Sundays. You need to check out the website for more information, running-tap.com, running-tap.com. I'm telling you, if you are into the local beer scene, you like the local beers, you don't want the taste of, you know, just the traditional, you know, all the beers that have been around forever, the beers you pick up at your local liquor store. If you want some good local-tasting beer, you want to support a local company, Check out running-tap.com. Have those local beers delivered right to you. Also, there is now a deal for Scoop Podcast listeners. Here it is. It's a coupon for $20 off a purchase of $30 or more. The code is the Scoop 2 Again, the Scoop 2 Again, a coupon for $20 off a purchase of $30 or more. Again, the website running-tap.com for more information. They will deliver beer right to you. Does it get any better than that? All right, Sam Mitchell now joins us. Sam, always appreciate your time here on the podcast. You're a good friend of the podcast. It figures to make sense to have you on, Sam, with with the Andrew Wiggins news now official. We always thought it would happen, but he signs the five-year $148 million extension. When you heard he signed for that much money, what was your reaction? Uh, no reaction. Just well-deserved. I think when you look at, look, the money is what it is. Dude. I, mm-hmm. mean, I think people, everyone's getting caught up in the amount of money. Well, the amount of money is there, not necessarily because the players are that good. That's just the market right now. That's what the that, So I don't get caught up in the money because, you know, 20 years ago when a guy signed for $8 million a year, people were losing their mind. So... So, but when you look at Andrew strictly from a basketball player in today's game, you look at his versatility, you look at still the potential, but look at his from his rookie year to now. He's improved in every category offensively. And he's a better team defender, he's a better basketball player, and the sky's the limit. So I just think uh, it's well-deserved by Andrew. He's proven to be uh, well-deserving of that number one pick, and I still feel like, you know, before his career is over, Andrew Wiggins will play in seven to ten All-Star games. I really believe that. Okay, really? So, okay, I mean, he's 22. I guess the point is, sometimes we forget he's only 22. So, yeah, I suppose possible. What blows my mind, Andrew Wiggins averaged 22 points a game last year, right? 23 and a half. 23 points a game. LeBron James' third year, he averaged 26. He's three points off of what LeBron James did, and he shot a better percentage from the three-point line and free-throw line. So when you look at his three years compared with LeBron James, he's right on par with LeBron James, and people just won't give this young man the credit. And I understand it. The Timberwolves haven't been very good, but, again, and it hasn't been because of Andrew Wiggins. It's been because of a lot of reasons, but now with the trades they've made and, and the growth of Andrew Wiggins and – uh, call Anthony Towns, and what people forget, you know, I, I'm glad all the people in Minneapolis happy about uh, Jimmy Butler. He, he's an excellent player. But remember, if Flip Saunders doesn't draft Zach Levine, and if we as the coaching staff, the former coaching staff, don't develop Zach, then you wouldn't be able to trade Zach Levine for Jimmy Butler. You're so right. Yeah, we lost those. We lo- we won 16 games. And then we won 29 games. But what people don't understand, there's a process you have to go through with young players. And if young players are ever going to meet their full potential, you have to put them out there through baptism, through fire, and let them play. And think about this. 
Look at the Boston Celtics because they were a playoff team. They drafted a guy, uh, Jalen Brown, right? Mm -hmm. Good player. Yeah, I like him. But because they were a playoff team, he wasn't allowed to go out there and play through his mistakes, right? Play limited minutes, especially Mm -hmm. early. Andrew Wiggins, Zach Zach Levine, and Carl Anthony Towns played 38 minutes a night, and they got to play through all their mistakes. Now look at where they are now, and look at where Jalen Brown is. And Jalen Brown may be as talented as those three names I just gave you, but because he wasn't in a situation where he could go out there and play with that freedom, look where his development is now compared to those three guys. My mind is bouncing all over the place. Let me piggyback on Levine quickly, and we can get back to Wiggins. Is there any part of you, and I'll be honest, Sam, I would have made the Jimmy Butler deal. If you have a chance to get a top 10, top 12, two-way player, you do it. But is there a part of you, a little bit of a punch in the gut that Flip's vision was broken up? You know this. If Flip was still alive, if Flip was still here, there's no no, way Zach Levine gets traded. No, no, don't say that because Flip was smart. And understand something. I used to tell the players this all the time. And I love Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Gorgie Dane, Shabazz Muhammad, Bellick, uh, all those guys on that team. Ties. I love those guys. They were kids. You know, we got those guys as kids. Mm-hmm. And we got a chance. You know, we took some beatings, man, those two years. But we also saw the upside with those guys. They're great young men. They're talented basketball players, but they're better people. So it was just great being around them. But I used to tell them every day when I took over, I love you guys like like my son. Like, like you know, I love you guys. But I would trade one of you in a minute if it was going to put this organization in a better chance to win. So that's the, that's the business. So you keep it real with them, Doogie. And it's cool to have those type of feelings for them. But at the end of the day, it's a business. And you have a, big, a greater responsibility uh, to the organization and fan base. And Jimmy Butler is a stud, right? I mean, would you debate that he's what is he top eight, maybe even in the NBA two way player? It doesn't. You had to do the trade, man. I mean, look. Exactly, uh, you had to do it. I'm with you. Why? Look, I, do I think those three guys together? Do I think? Look, Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, with a couple of right pieces around them. Do I think they could have made the playoffs just them on their own if Zach was healthy? Absolutely. Now, with Jimmy Butler, now they have a chance to be. Maybe on the outside of four, but a, but a solid five in the Western Conference. And mm-hmm. you're talking about a very, very tough conference. And then when you add a guy like Jeff Teague, who's more of a scoring point guard than Ricky, but you don't need Ricky when you have uh, Andrew Wiggins and you have Jimmy Butler because those two guys are going to have the ball a lot uh, in pick-and-roll situations. So you need more of a scoring point guard, and that's what they did. And I, I like the moves that they made. And I think Flip would have made the uh, same comfortable move because at the end of the day, you're trying to get, you're trying to win the championship. And as much as we love Zach, hey, if that trade would have been available, you have to do it. All right, back to Wiggins, Sam. You talked about his versatility. So, what are you talking about exactly? I mean, that he can guard twos Two, and threes. Can guard the one, two, threes, and some fours. You think he can okay, guard ones, really? And in today's game, yes. In today's game, when you look. I would not be afraid in a seven-game series, or especially I wouldn't do it at the start of the game, but would I put Andrew Wiggins on Russell Westbrook the last five minutes of a game in a playoff situation? Absolutely. Not over Butler, though. Well, if I didn't have Jimmy Butler. All right. But I still may well put Andrew because I think Andrew is younger. He's quicker. He's probably a little quicker. Do good look. But he doesn't play much defense now, though, Sam. All right. I'm going to, I want you to do me one favor. All right. Go back and look at the Chicago Bulls game, the year that I coached the team. We beat Chicago both times, right? Go back okay. and look at Andrew Wiggins' head-to-head matchup against Jimmy Butler. That's right. You told me and to actually do this last time you were on. Yeah, I forgot to do it. And yes, I will. I promise. Yeah. You go back and look. Don't just look at the stats. The stats are crazy. Andrew Wiggins put up unbelievable numbers. We won both games. But go back and watch Andrew Wiggins' defense and his offense against Jimmy Butler. And then you tell me, with now that with three years under his belt, going into his fourth year, that you would be afraid to put Andrew Wiggins uh, on, on Westbrook or Harden or anyone. Flip did it his rookie year. We put him on James Harden. 
So why doesn't he always bring it, though, then, Sam? Like, does he – are there work ethic issues there? Doogie, no. This kid works hard. Doogie, I'm going to tell right. you something. I'm going to say this. First of all, you should not be having a conversation about a player work ethic after you gave him a five-year deal, $148 million, because you're sending the wrong message to the player. Are you saying to the player, look, I'm paying you because I have to? No. If I, Even if I really feel that way, Doogie, I'd never – ever publicly or or outside of rooms say that or allow anybody on my, in my organization to feel that way. Because once I make that commitment to those type of dollars, then I want this player to believe that I'm all in with him. You're all in with him. And so to have those type of, that negative vibe about a guy's his work ethic and to say all those type of things after you have paid him $148 million doesn't make sense. All right, so, because now you're putting negative thoughts in the back of his mind. Hey, do they really believe in me? Why are they giving me this money? Because it's not just the money, Doogie, that's going to make Andrew Wiggins a good player or, be, or to feel comfortable. It's going to be how he's treated. Remember, Gordon Haywood, remember what he said when he left Utah. They made me go out and get a four-year deal, mm-hmm. but if they had been telling me I was the guy, why wouldn't you just automatically give me that fifth year? Four years later, he left a Utah team that, in my estimation, would have been a top-four team in the West with Gordon Hayward. Now, they, they, it's going to be a struggle for them to make the playoffs, if they make it. Do you like Rubio there? Yeah, I think Ricky's a good player. I think Ricky has improved. I think Ricky has improved his shooting, his toughness, his defense, his court awareness. And Ricky, you know, you can say what you want about Ricky athletically, but one thing I respect about Ricky, he competes on every play. Ricky plays to the point of exhaustion. Then he has to come out the game. Then he goes back in the game and plays to the point of exhaustion all the time. Yeah, so I have the utmost respect for Ricky. I think Ricky's going to be uh, a good upgrade for Utah. I think he's going to help them a lot. Let's say you were starting a team from scratch. Would you rather have Jeff Teague or Ricky Rubio? Then with this Wolves roster, who would you rather have? Uh, Duke, I'm not going to go down that road, man, because – you know, I would tell you it depends on the team. It wouldn't if you're starting a team from scratch, you know, I I don't I wouldn't do that. It's not fair to those guys do and it's not fair to me. All right, well uh, how about with this Wolves roster? After I give you it, it in a way, it, it belittles the other guy. And I would never do that because I like them both for different reasons. Well how about this? With this Wolves roster, I personally think Teague is the better fit. I like Jeff Teague with this roster. Well, yeah, I said, and, and I said with Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins, who those two guys are going to have the ball, especially in the fourth quarter, the last five minutes of game, uh, you might as well have a more of a scoring point guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't have a problem with the move that they made. I think when they acquired Jimmy Butler, he's going to have the ball in pick and roll. Andrew Wiggins is going to have the ball in pick and roll. And so you don't need a, a point guard to dominate the basketball. You need more of a point guard slash two guard, and that's what they got in Jeff Teague. When Wiggins said earlier today that this deal motivates him even more, that he wants to be that 7-10 to ten time All-Star, that, that he hasn't come close to reaching his ceiling, do he you has. feel like you can believe him when he says that? Absolutely. Dude, Dude y'all have the wrong – I'm going to tell you something, man. You guys have better change y'all approach with Andrew Wiggins because five years from now, at 27 years old, y'all going to be crying the blues if he remembers all this. And he leaves like Gordon Hayward did. So y'all better learn to understand this young man is talented. He is good. To tell you how good Andrew Wiggins is, the Timberwolves probably could have traded Andrew Wiggins for Kyrie Irving. Well, and you would have done that deal, right? And all Listen to me. An all-star. I don't know if I would have done that deal. Because you got to understand, Andrew Wiggins and Kyrie Irving, they're two totally different players. Understand this. As special as Kyrie is, and I think he's special, can Kyrie guard four positions? No, he cannot guard, no. two, three, and the four? Think about something now. In today's basketball, positionless basketball, Andrew Wiggins can play the two, the three, and the four, right? Yeah, I'm a little leery on the four, but okay. Keep going. but dude, he can do it. All right. You're telling me you can't put Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, and – Jeff Teague and has somebody else on the court together? Yeah, I mean, and Jamal Crawford. Absolutely, you could. Yeah, but to absolutely. me, then you have Butler guard the opposing four. 
Well, but and he and Butler, look, he and Andrew can switch. They can do different things. Right. It's, I'm telling you, there are no four men. What four men pound you other than Anthony Davis? And Anthony Davis shoots a bunch of threes. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, the league has changed. You yeah. In the paint these days. yeah, you're right. None. Yeah. They all shoot threes. So, so again, do it's gone. You, I thought you was up with the times, man. You are in the other. No, 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 no. Don't, don't mistake me. I'm actually – I like Andrew Wiggins. I'm an Andrew Wiggins fan. I'm telling you, Sam, sometimes we forget he's only 22. The way the exactly. CBA is constructed, you had to give him the max. I have no problem whatsoever with the contract. I'm just hoping we see more. That he becomes a better Dude, defensive player, that he rebounds he the ball more. Look, he went from 16 to 19 to 23. What do you want to see? I just think I mean, for them to get to. Again, yeah. and his shooting percentage in all areas has improved. What is it? Are y'all looking for the improvement? There's just there's a part of me that says he has the talent to be a top five type player in the league. I, okay, then. And again, he's 22 years old. I get that, yeah. Okay, and he's doing all this and, and don't have a clue. So he's talented. And I'll tell you something. I get mad at people when they you don't average 23 points a game in the NBA as a 22-year-old third-year player and be lazy. Listen to what you're saying. So, but, but think about it. Even if he is lazy, you're saying he's so talented. He can average 23 a game and improve in all areas offensively and be lazy and not play hard at the same time. That's a, hey, either way, you pay that guy. Because on his, on his lazy day, he averages 23 a game. I also, so what happens when that light bulb comes on, if you have that mindset of thinking? Well, you're right. I also wonder, I'm actually talking myself out of this a bit, not that I consider him lazy, and I did bring up the work ethic angle to you, but – but being around at least those first couple of years, Zach Levine, Carl Anthony Towns, the last three years, two, I guess, for, for Cat, those two guys, their work ethics are off the charts, right? Like, didn't Dude, you tell me you had to take no, away no, 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 Zach's no, key no, no, fob? No, 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 bag up. Let me stop you. Do you understand when I took over the, the practice plan that we had in place? We did a, we spent a lot of time developing players, doing a lot of individual development. Mm-hmm. We started our development program at 8.30 in the morning for, for an 11 a.m. practice. So that means players who were slotted first, every player got 45 minutes of individual work with the coach every day we were in town, okay, every day. Mm-hmm. So think about it. Carl after the town, and I told Carl he could have like a, a 9.45, 10 o'clock slot. No, he wanted to be the first one. He came in at 7.30 in the morning. And after he did his 45 minutes, he was in the weight room. And then after he did his weight his stuff in the weight room, he was watching film with the coaches. And then he was on the floor for practice. Andrew Wiggins did the same thing every day and even came back in the afternoons at night. So what part of that? Why would his work have to be questioned? You don't average 23 points a game on a on a team that's not winning when everyone knows you're going to have to shoot the ball. You don't do that unless you work to improve your game. All right, I get that. that. Yeah. All right. I you know what then? I was led I was led to believe something that's not true then, Sam. I was led well, to believe that well, Zach and Carl that made or led you to that, that yeah. thought process. If they're if they're one of the people in the decision making that's giving him $148 million, then what does that say about them? Well, how about this? Would you say that Wiggins' work ethic is right on line? And it's not to diminish Wiggins' work ethic. I think I'm more propping up Levine and Cat. And that bar is so high that that it might be unfair that I'm saying Wiggins should reach that bar as well. I'm going to say this to you, Duke. Andrew Wiggins was the leading scorer on the team, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So if he's leading score on the team and he improved in their area, how does he not have a work ethic? Why are we even having this conversation? Okay, that's fair. That's plenty think fair. About, now think right. about how now you're telling me you're, that's like telling me I can see it. That's like telling me a guy on Wall Street is the number one producer for the past three years and has improved every year for three years and we're questioning does he know what he's doing? 
All right, I'm just saying I feel like there is so much potential, Sam, that I'm hoping in the next few years, especially now with this new contract, he can reach that potential. Maybe that's the better way to say it. It's not questioning his work ethic. It's just Ooh. seeing if he can fulfill all that potential that he has. Every Ooh. single ounce. He's fulfilled some of it, Sam. Can he Ooh. can he fulfill all of it? If he listen, if he stays healthy and remains grounded, which I know he is, Andrew Wiggins, you guys are gonna be happy. Trust me. Okay. He's gonna be fine. Right. He's gonna make some all star teams. And I'm gonna tell you something. Jimmy Butler may be the third best player on the team. And that's not a bad thing, and that's not a knock on Jimmy Butler. That's a compliment to Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Is Cat the best player then? Would Wiggins be too? Go back. Go back and look. All I'm going to tell you, go back and look at the Chicago Bulls, those two games. I will. I was supposed to do it months ago. I will. look at the games. Just go look at the stat sheet. Okay. And And then, you know, and again, I love Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is a heck of a player. I would have done the deal, and I and I I like Zach as much as anyone as a player and a person. I know all that. those guys, yeah. but from an organizational standpoint and a chance to put you on another level and to win now, I would have done that deal. But I still believe I, I would have done the deal. But I still believe with a healthy Zach Levine, those three guys led by those three guys, they could still make the playoffs this year. But but with Jimmy Butler, I think now they have a chance to be four or five. I really do. How good is Cat? <laughs> Real good, dude. I mean, <laughs> come on. I put Carl Anthony Towns in the same category I put Andrew Wiggins. The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. I, I think Carl Anthony Towns is one of those players that's difficult to guard, but I also think Andrew Wiggins is too. All right, I'll leave you with this because you know this. I could talk to you all day, all night. Shabazz Muhammad is back here. You know Shabazz very, very well. Shabazz is back here for the minimum. How much of a steal is that for the Wolves? Big time. When I got a chance to talk to uh, Rance and Shabazz this summer, and I told him the most important thing for him is to be on a winning team. Shabazz can put up numbers, Duke. Shabazz can score. And there's a lot of teams that miss the boat on Shabazz because Shabazz can come in the game and on a night when you're struggling or, or, you know, when you're kind of stagnant as a team, Shabazz can come out there and get you 20 and 10. And he can ignite you with some offensive rebounds and some athletic things. So, you know, and, and Shabazz is, is, is getting better uh, every year as a, def- as a team defender. But I'm a fan of Shabazz Muhammad. I think Shabazz can play. I score. And in today's NBA, you have to have guys who can do multiple things. Do you have a win total for the Wolves this year? We won't talk before the start of the season next week. Are they a 51 team? Uh, I don't know because the West is so tough. I know. But I think they'll win. They won, what, 31, 32 games last year? Yeah, 31, yeah. So you won. So you're probably going to – how many do you think you're going to have to win to make the playoffs? 44, 45? I think whatever that number is to make the playoffs, I think they're going to do it. And and then some, and I don't think they're AC. I think if they're not a if they're not a fifth or sixth seed, they're going to be disappointed. I think I would be. Yeah, although you know I'm this, not I mean, a seed. I'm not saying a fifth seed, but but at least battling for that fifth spot, maybe that fourth spot. But they should be anywhere from four to six. Yes, and maybe and, they will be disappointed, but fans won't. If they're the seven or the eight seed. Just to have playoff Dude. basketball back here for the first time in 13 exactly. years, we'll take it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But this is the thing, though. You don't want to be a 7th or 8th seed because you're going to have to deal with OKC and Golden State. You think OKC is the 2 how, seed? I don't care how confident you is. You don't want to do that in the first round. Really? You think OKC is better than Houston? Dude, okay, I'm going to say this. And, now and I San Antonio? My workout class. Yeah, that's Let's fine. Let's be careful. Yeah. The difference between all those moves that all those teams in the West made and what Golden State does, remember, Duke, Golden State, the second-best defensive team in all the NBA. None of those teams are in the top five. So if you're going to beat Golden State, not only do you have to score, you got to play defense. And if you listen to what Chris Paul said, for us to really challenge Golden State, we got to be in the top five defensively. we got to play defense. Now, that's coming from Chris Paul. So if you're not going to play defense, you're fooling yourself if you're going to beat Golden State because they're going to score now because you're not stopping Durant. So they're going to score. 
But if you don't defend, you're not going to beat them. Well, the Spurs defend, right? Why? Why are the Why are the Thunder better than the Spurs? How many All Stars the Thunder got now? Potential All Stars. Yeah, but it takes Three. a while to mesh, doesn't it? Yeah, they do. well, depending on what you think Carmelo's Dugan, got come left. Come on, Dugan. Come on. Okay. Name another player on any of those teams in San Antonio other than Kawhi Leonard that you would take over Carmelo Anthony. Mm. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> trying yeah, to think that. No, I know. But Kawhi is that good. Popovich well, okay, is that good of a coach, right? If you put Carmelo Anthony on the team with Kawhi Leonard, you would be looking at San Antonio totally different. Dude, Carmelo Anthony, people keep forgetting. They're like Carmelo Anthony can't play. Go look at his numbers last year, and look at his numbers when the Knicks made the playoffs, last time they made the playoffs. They're eerily close. And he did that on a bad team. Now, Duke, think about something. Now you're going to have to guard Carmelo Anthony man-to-man. Yeah, but can he guard power forwards? Like, would you rather have LaMarcus Aldridge? I mean, LaMarcus didn't have a good playoff run. What does the power forwards do other than pick and pop and shoot threes? Carmelo Anthony is the only power forward that can put the ball on the floor, go one-on-one, and beat you off the dribble. Name another. Yeah, I know. The game game is changing. Guarding them power forwards, all he got to do is play guys who pick and pop. All right, so you really like the Thunder. Okay. Am I going to have to keep breaking this this stuff down to you, man? No, well, yeah, I'll call you back tomorrow or something like that for yeah, sure. I mean, I, <laughs> dude, I just, I'm, I'm just spoon-feeding you right now. That's fine. You're like a little baby. You're the expert. I'm just the babbling podcast host, so trust me. I'm sitting here. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm I'm absorbing all this in. All this knowledge, Sam, you're spewing on me. I'm just trying to soak it all in. I promise. Good, Yeah, you're a good young man. That's why I like you, Doogie. All right, Sam, I'll be in touch. <laughs> Enjoy your workout. Have a good one, dude. Okay, see you, Sam. Bye. Former Wolves interim coach, former Wolves assistant coach, former Wolves player, now with NBA TV, Sam Mitchell. Always love picking his brain. I picked up an edit on the transition there after doing Jim Carter on Wednesday morning, taping the open, that brief two-minute open on Wednesday morning. Then I took a break for some TV work, now resuming the podcast with Sam Mitchell Late Wednesday afternoon, the Andrew Wiggins deal is official. It's a straight five-year deal. The Wolves did not announce that, but it is a straight five-year deal. Depending on the NBA audit next summer, it's an approximation right now. It'll be between $146.5 million and $148 million. It'll depend on what they set the salary cap at for next year, what his starting salary is. It'll be 25% of the salary cap. Bottom line for you, just know that Andrew Wiggins is signing a max deal, or did. I guess he officially signed the contract on Wednesday late morning, early afternoon. It is for the max. The number just needs to be established next summer. But it is a five-year max deal, as we've talked about for a number of weeks. Heck, Glenn Taylor was on the Scoop podcast last week saying he fully expected the deal to get done. He was on three or four weeks ago saying he thought it would get done. And that's why there was... There was some uncertainty. I mean, it was a goofy negotiation. It was one of the weirder negotiations, at least from a media standpoint, in some time. But the deal got done, as we've talked about. Nobody turns down max money off of their rookie contract. If Andrew Wiggins one day wants to play for his hometown Toronto Raptors, he can push for that when he's 27 years old. You don't turn down max money. He could not hit unrestricted free agency until the summer of 2019. There's no way you play out this season Then next season, putting your body at risk, playing for Tom Thibodeau, all the minutes, the demanding practices. There's no way you put your body at risk to hit unrestricted free agency in the summer of 2019. That would have been nuts. That would have been asinine. So signs always pointed to Wiggins signing the deal. But there were some league people as recently as Tuesday and Monday of this week wondering what the heck was going on, just scratching their head. He did fire his agent, Bill Duffy, the former gopher. But Bill Duffy will fight for the commission. He negotiated this deal, the five-year one hundred and forty six point five to one hundred and forty eight million dollar deal. Bill Duffy negotiated the deal. Bill Duffy will fight for his commission if he has to. And all signs point to Bill Duffy gaining that commission. Heck, the Wiggins camp might just cut him the check for that commission because he would win in a court of law. There's no doubt in my mind and other people's minds. Other Wolves notes can't recall if I mentioned this on episode 101 or not. The Wolves had some free agent interest in Dwayne Wade. It was late. The wheels were already in motion for him to reunite with LeBron James. It looks like Marcus George's hunt. He was on a recent scoop podcast. It looks like he's got a decent chance to stick at the start of the year. So remember that name, Marcus George's hunt. Presumably he would be one of the game day deactivations, but there is a chance for his contractual sake, for his money's sake, 
Nice guy. He has a chance to stick, also learn from Tibbs, be around the Wolves, not have to worry about the G League, at least initially. So look for that to likely happen. Marcus George's hunt. What else do I have written down on the Wolves? They had a scout at the recent pro days for Louisville and Kentucky and Alabama. It's that time of the year. A lot of colleges do pro days for the scouts. The Wolves hired an international scout. One of the Spanish newspapers was all over it before I was, but I can confirm it. Pete Michael. Pete Michael, longtime European player, has all sorts of contacts in Europe. Pete Michael will be an international scout for the Wolves. I'll tell you in like 30 or 45 seconds who the Gophers men's basketball team will have its secret scrimmage against. By the way, Richard Patino was at Wolves practice on Wednesday. His dad has a long relationship with Tom Thibodeau, so in turn, Richard has a relationship with Tom Thibodeau. He's been a regular the last couple years at a number of Wolves practices. But anyway, Richard Patino, Gophers men's basketball coach at Wolves practice on Wednesday. I'll tell you who Patino's team will have a secret scrimmage against in a second. But first, some love for Camp Zero Coolers. Camp-Zero.com. Use the promo code SCOOP. SCOOP for $10 off your next order. They have all sorts of cool coolers. Why can't reliable, cool-looking products also be affordable? Well, Camp Zero Coolers asked that very question. They are brothers. They are business partners. They have traveled the world over the last 30 years developing and sourcing products to make outdoor living easier. Their philosophy is simple. You offer ruggedly cool products that are affordable and, more importantly, designed to withstand the rigors of the outdoors. Whether you are headed to camp, hunt, fish, tailgate, or just maybe attend a family picnic, Camp Zero branded products will always have your back. They believe it's time for an affordable quality product that you can count on. Are you ready for the next ruggedly cool adventure? If you are, go to camp-zero.com for your outdoor needs. I'm telling you specifically, their coolers are great. Think about tailgating. Saturday's a great day to tailgate. Go for Spartans night game. You get to the tailgate lot like at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm telling you, you want one of those Camp Zero coolers. Check out the website again. It's camp-zero.com. It's supposed to be a secret scrimmage. The Gophers had one a couple years ago against Iowa State. The Cyclones kicked there behind. The Gophers will have a tune-up, a secret scrimmage at the end of this month against Creighton. McDermott always has a good team there for Creighton. Justin Patton, Wolves rookie out of Creighton, first-round pick. Heck, when's the last time the Gophers had a first-round pick? I believe we have to go all the way back to Chris Humphreys, who's, by the way, with the Philadelphia 76ers. But anyway, Gophers men's basketball secret scrimmage opponent is Creighton later this month. It's actually a great tune-up. The Gophers get an interesting test on November 13th, third game of the year. Maybe it's the second game, I guess third, including the one exhibition, the the on-the-books exhibition. They play Providence on November 13th. Providence is supposed to be good. That is a true road game. So the Gophers get a good tune-up for their Providence game by playing Creighton in a scrimmage. This weekend, New York 2018 guard Anthony Nelson visits. He already has visited both Seton Hall and Dayton in a perfect world. Well, in a perfect world, the Gophers would have gotten Eric Hunter, but he chose Purdue over them. So now up is Nelson in a perfect world. The Gophers get Nelson. I'm not quite sure, though. I'm not quite sure reading the tea leaves on this one that the Gophers get Nelson. I would make one of the other two schools more of the favorite. Gophers coaches, or at least one coach, stopping by both Hopkins High School and Prior Lake High School for open gyms this week. Also, Richard Patino last Tuesday. Yeah, it would have been the night, or I guess the afternoon of the Twins-Yankees game. I guess Twins-Yankees was that night, that afternoon, because we know Patino's a big Yankees fan. He had to go watch his Yankees. But that afternoon, Patino was down in Rochester to check out Class of 2019 stud forward Matthew Hurt, the younger brother of current gopher Michael Hurt. So certainly the Gophers are doing everything imaginable to land Matthew. A lot of it will depend on how Michael is used this year. Trust me, Matthew is watching how Michael is used very closely. In fact, Matthew was on one of the recent Scoop podcasts going back to sometime late summer. You could find it. It might be like episode, I don't know, 89, 90, 91 92, something like that. He talked about that, that he'll watch closely how Michael is used. Michael should be used more with the Eric Curry injury. But anyway, credit to the Gophers for doing everything they can to see if they can land Matthew Hurt. He recently took visits to both Kentucky and Indiana on official visits. 
He'll also take a visit soon to Duke and North Carolina. He is a wanted man, one of the best players in the country in the class of 2019. Let's transition to the Twins. Couldn't match up schedules with Thad Levine, plus with Jim Carter and Sam Mitchell. And based on my availability this week with just the one podcast, not quite sure we could connect, but we'll connect as we get closer to the GM meetings in November. We'll connect sometime in the next month or so with Twins GM Thad Levine, who was nice enough to be a regular on this podcast as long as the Twins were still playing. So he was on going back the last five, six, seven episodes. So we'll give him a break for this episode. On Miguel Sano, I tweeted it a number of days ago. Signs point more so to him undergoing surgery than not undergoing surgery. Now the Twins are hopeful that in the next couple weeks things improve, that they don't need to go the surgery route. Surgery clearly is a last resort. But at the time, the signs were pointing to surgery. I would say that signs continue to point to surgery. Him having a rod inserted, a permanent rod, to just take away some of that pain. I mean, he was in some serious pain with that shin. There was a reason why he couldn't be in the lineup last week in that Yankees game. He was in so much pain. The word is Paul Molitor got a slight raise. He was making like $1.3 million a year. You know, the bump is, you know, whether it's one three five, one four, one five, not a significant raise, but the word is he got a little bit of a bump. Paul Molitor signing a three-year deal. Lots of talk this week about Molitor's relationship with Derek Falvey and Thad Levine. Just to remember this, it was Terry Francona, Indians manager, who thinks that Derek Falvey is a rock star. It was Terry Francona who talked to Paul Molitor last winter saying, give Derek a chance. Paul is... A relationship guy. He's very open-minded. He gave Derek a chance. The relationship has worked out well, although as Molitor told my colleague Joe Schmidt, early in the season there were some awkward moments. Some awkward moments of silence, just trying to get to know each other, you know, feeling each other out. But now Falvey and Molitor, along with Levine, have good relationships. Paul Molitor likes those guys. He has trust in those guys. This is where Paul Molitor wanted to be. He did not tell his agent, John Boggs, to shop his services to the Red Sox or to the Mets or to the Tigers. This is absolutely where Paul Molitor wanted to be. For pitching coach candidates, certainly look at the Indians organization and the Rangers organization. You think about the intimate knowledge that Levine and Falvey have with those respective organizations from their days in those organizations, Levine in Texas and Falvey with Cleveland. So there might be an up-and-comer. They hit a home run with James Rousen. They love Jeff Pickler. There might be an up-and-comer, a name we don't know, or at least a name that's not a household name, but somebody that they like or at least one of them like. So definitely keep an eye on those two organizations. Plus, if John Farrell, who does have money for 2018, if he has interest in coaching again, his best friend is Terry Francona. Francona and Falvey are close. In fact, Falvey reached out to Francona via text after they lost Game 4. I'm telling you, Falvey and Francona still text pretty regularly. They have a good relationship. So Francona could always reach out to the Twins and say, hey, John Farrell would love to be your pitching coach. So just a name to watch. Carl Willis, who interviewed for the Twins pitching coach job a couple years ago, or I guess what would that have been? Yeah, a couple years ago, 2015, before Neil Allen got it. He is also out of a job. You know, the Red Sox will let go all of those coaches or presumably let the new manager bring in his own staff or at least have say in the new staff. So Carl Willis should be available, the former Twins reliever. But you look at Rick Porcello, some other Red Sox pitchers, the roller coaster ride those pitchers went on. You know, plus if you had a chance to get John Farrell. But I'm just saying, John Farrell has a contract for next year. He has a son in. I don't know whether it's AAA or the majors, you know, on the cusp. I mean, if he wants to travel around and watch his son pitch, he could get paid for the year, take the year off. But if John Farrell has a desire to coach, I'm just saying that Terry Francona could always reach out to Derek Falvey to give Farrell a recommendation. But I'm saying more so keep an eye on those two organizations, the Indians organization and the Rangers organization, not at the major league level, the minor league level. Also, busy time for the Twins right now with all these scouting events with these colleges, I know North Carolina had its pro day or its fall showcase the other day. So the Mike Radcliffe's of the world, the Sean Johnson's of the world are traveling around. Plus the Twins have a couple scouts in Arizona. It's now Arizona Fall League season. Links notes in case you don't know, Natasha Howard is a restricted free agent. Rebecca Brunson is an unrestricted free agent, but there is a desire to return. The only WNBA player with five championships 
Yes, she is, what, 35, but there is a desire. Think about it. The Lynx have never repeated. You have those titles in 11, 13, 15, 17. They would love to repeat. So there is a desire from Rebecca Brunson to return. Renee Montgomery is an unrestricted free agent. Recall the Lynx beat out New York for her services last offseason. There is a chance she is looking for more of a, you know, I guess, what's the best way to say it? Starting opportunity. She's not the starting point guard here. You know, she's a reserve here. Good player. Renee Montgomery is good enough to start for some team in the WNBA. So it remains to be seen if Montgomery is back. But the core, the main core of Fowles, Moore, Augustus, Whalen, they are all under contract. And again, signs point to Rebecca Brunson wanting to come back. So you would have the core five in place. On the Vikings, Teddy Bridgewater, we've talked about this for a number of weeks. But yeah, all signs point to him being activated here in the next few weeks, being able to practice here. Next week, the Vikings would have three weeks after he starts practicing, coming off the physically unable to perform list to add him to the 53-man roster. All signs point to him eventually joining the 53-man roster. Is that next week? Is it two weeks from now? The point is Teddy Bridgewater will be on the Vikings 53-man roster very, very soon. Then the question becomes, do they take a look at him at some point, especially if Sam Bradford isn't back anytime soon because Bradford, a free agent. Bridgewater, a free agent. Keenum, a free agent. So we have no idea who the Vikings 2018 quarterback will be. We do know that Mike Zimmer thinks the world of Teddy Bridgewater. You would think the Vikings want to take a look at Teddy at some point before the year is over just to see how his leg is. How does he react to being back in a game for the first time in 16, 17 months? So would not be shocked if at some point this season we see Teddy Bridgewater. By the way, he will be checked by the doctor who did his main surgery on Monday. So once that doctor in Dallas gives him full clearance, that's when the Vikings can say, okay, you are back on the practice field. Then again, the Vikings would have three weeks to activate him, put him on the 53-man roster. They would take him off the pup list. He can practice with the team. Then they would have the three weeks to put him on the 53-man. Dalvin Cook had ACL surgery on Monday. It was done by Dr. James Andrews. It was a straight ACL fix. He should be good to go by next off season. More love quickly for Vine Park Brewing, vinepark.com. $7 gets you a tour of Vine Park Brewing. They are in St. Paul, West 7th Street between 35E and downtown St. Paul. $7 gets you a tour, plus a flight or a pint, plus Higgy's Pizza, or just swing in, grab a growler, whatever you want to do. You want to go in and make your own beer, make your own wine. They can help you with that. They've been around for 22 years. You don't last 22 years without a good product. Vine Park Brewing, vinepark.com for really good beer. Quickly on the wild, Mikhail Granlund out at least another four games, missed the last game, out at least another four games or so. Zach Parisi is looking more and more like it'll be next week, maybe the week after. Doesn't appear as if he'll be back either for the Chicago game on Thursday night or the home opener on Saturday against Columbus. But it doesn't appear to be any sort of long-term injury. He clarified in the locker room, I was there the other day, that it's not his back. This is not a back injury. So even though we had Brent Flair on the Scoop podcast, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, I said, hey, is this a different back injury from the one he sustained in the playoffs a couple years ago or that caused him to miss the playoffs a couple years ago? Flair said, no, not the same, but I guess he never said it was a back injury. So the mystery was always there for us. It was a few other reporters that indicated it was a back injury. I guess I should have been a little bit more aggressive on on confirming that news. But Parisi told us he won't tell us what it is, but told us it is not a back injury. But anyway, look for Parisi back in the lineup maybe in the next two weeks, but not before this week is over. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 102. Appreciate you listening. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator skin. Man, I love Operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.